Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Events for Breakfast. Now today I'm really excited to be spending some time to chat to Pete Harding. Now Pete is the head of Creative Technical at Hawthorne and as we know Hawthorne are one of the biggest technical event production partners in the UK. So as we navigate our way through virtual and hybrid events, I know Pete is going to have lots of insight and lots of knowledge to share with us all and put us on the right track as we work our way through the rest of 2020 and hybrid and virtual events. So without further ado, let's go meet Pete now. So hi Pete, thanks so much for joining me today, really appreciate it and your time, I know you're very busy. So firstly, what I wanted to do is let everyone get to know you a little bit. So could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got into the events industry, please? Yeah, so I'm Pete Harding. I'm um, Head of Creative Technical at Hawthorne. And uh, how I got into this uh, event circus was uh, kind of interesting, really. I I left school and went straight to um, becoming an apprentice electrician on a big industrial site. And uh, they said, hey, you're going to have to go away to... uh, uh, do a day release uh, one day a week to get a qualification and uh, the very first day I sat next to this unassuming guy and I said oh you know what do you do in your spare time and he said oh I've got a mobile disco I was like oh that sounds interesting uh, do you ever need any help with that it's like well yeah sometimes yeah anyway next Friday phone rings fancy coming out doing some disco and I'm like yeah go on then and that started um, about a 13-year relationship of uh, actually um, becoming a a personality DJ and setting up my own disco rig in addition to his and I got really interested in the technical side of things the music was great and you know I love the fact you can take people on a journey um, with music but I actually got really interested in the technical and we got to a point where we had uh, more kit than our our local uh, nightclub in Cambridge which was a sizable nightclub and better kit even and I, I started to think, oh, do you know what? I actually really enjoy this. And uh, I left uh, being a spark and uh, moved into um, computer aid design and started selling, supporting, and training people on AutoCAD. So I picked up a lot of experience of CAD and CAD design and 3D visualization. I was still DJing, pushing all the burning both ends of the candle. And I met another guy um, who was doing audio, I was doing lighting. and. Uh, we said, oh, do you know what? It would be great if there was like a really good technical company. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, one that sort of was honest, trusty, and it did what they said they were going to do, and we yes people. And I said, well, do you know what? I think we could be that thing. And uh, we did, and we started a company on my kitchen table, and, you know, we took that to what was then Anagram, and uh, then it was acquired into Hawthorne, and that's how I became part of Hawthorne. That's amazing. Now, you, is that completely self-taught then? Um, do you, no formal training at college and things in all the CAD and things? Is it all self-taught? No, yeah, I, I was self-taught. I, I kind of, when I was doing my um, sparking, I uh, was designing electrical control systems for machinery at the yeah. end of my apprenticeship. And I did a, a training course at the, the CAD dealers and they were like, you know what you're doing, uh, do you fancy a job? So they sort of poached me and my That's parents brilliant. looked at me like I was possessed. 
uh, as I chucked in what to them was a very good job to go and work over a dress shop uh, in a tiny high street. But it taught me lots. It taught me about how to start a company with just, yeah. you know, two people who had a dream and were committed to something and were prepared to put the hours in. And, you know, when I left that company and to start um, Anagram, we were at 24 people. You know, so wow. we went from two people over a dress shop to 24 and a successful autocad dealer that's still going now brilliant you really grew it didn't you and obviously hawthorne are one of the most respected technical providers in the uk so um and you talked there about your role a little bit so can you tell anyone that doesn't know about hawthorne that's listening a little bit more about them or about you so uh, <laughs> hawthorne uh, um yeah you know great technical company we're one of those companies that does all of the services and I know it's that old cliche, you know, we're a turnkey production supplier, but you know, you can look us up on Google Maps and you'll see we've got like 150,000 square foot of warehousing at our main base in Leicester. And out of that, we literally do do staging, draping, lighting, video, sound, um, you know, projection, set manufacture. Uh, and we really do do those things, you know, so th there's no, um, subbing in of services it's all from our our staff and so at Hawthorne my kind of role is um as I said I'm head of creative technical but my real thing is taking agencies dreams and turning them into reality so kind of like dream realization I suppose yeah. for agencies and you know that's the bit I really enjoy it's that taking the spark of an idea um and turning that into something and, and using our team. We've got an amazing team of people, whether they're riggers, you know, lighting, sound, AV, and by combining all of their skills together, um, we can realize an agency's dream, you know, turn something into reality. You absolutely do. And obviously I, I should tell everybody that I have worked with you at BBC Studios. And I think um, BBC Studios is a quite a unique client for you because that is, um, you, you work with them direct, don't you, rather than via an agency. Um, now, I've got a question for you that I've always wanted to ask you because I, I, we and at BBC Studios, when I worked with them, we pushed you and pushed the boundaries quite a lot. I know that. Um, and so, you know, as a client, as I was for BBC Studios for you, um, did we, I, I always wondered, is, is there sometimes when we ask things that are just not possible technically or is it always budget driven so is a creative idea always possible but is it is it always is it curbed by the budget of the client basically is that what curbs it sometimes i think you know our motto as i'm sure you've heard me say before if it doesn't defy the laws of the physics and you've got the budget we'll give it a blooming good go making yeah. it work for you and you know physics is the main thing because people will go i really want to do x and you're like yeah but physics don't permit us to do x it's not possible you know and so yeah. that's that's the kind of main sticking point if it's physically not possible but budget tends to be a deciding factor but i think one of our skills is taking the essence of the idea and then keeping that essence of the idea but bringing it in on a budget so it's similar you know i think we can think of an example perhaps um we were doing um some stuff for bbc studios around the moon um landing when that uh, the anniversary and you know two weeks out we had like a 30 meter by sort of 10 meter screen projection screen we had a huge um inflated sphere that we were using um six or eight projectors to project onto and then um the creative said oh do you know what we we still don't really have that instagrammable moment and uh, uh do you know i think what we should have is an astronaut um 
fly across the audience and you know they should be able to rotate round and they should be able to drop down and they should be able to touch the audience and it would be amazing we were like yeah okay that's 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 a good idea you know we like that idea and secretly inside we're going oh my goodness that's going to be quite hard because it affected so many things there were so many projection paths that we had to try and weave the track and so we started looking at it and we've done automation a fair bit so we started looking at a, a completely automated track by that i mean uh, the astronaut could be winched up they could travel across the audience and they could drop in and out as if it was like a disney show and it was going to be repeated every day yeah. So you need complete automation. I could tell that they would always be able to hit row 56, table A, every day. Right? Yeah. And that came in at an astronomical amount of money. I can't remember now. But anyway, we, so then we went, reached out to some of our other automation people. In fact, one of the people that does the automation on Wicked, if you've ever seen that, that show. And we yeah. said, hey, do you know, we, this is what we're going to do. And he said, well, actually, do you know what? We've got a track that will travel 55 metres. And I can do uh, like a hand wheel for the astronaut. Um, so it's a motor across and then I actually wheel up or it's a wheel across and then a winch lifts her up and down. And I was like, well, that sounds brilliant because we didn't need complete accuracy. And that reduced the costs down to something the client could afford. And yeah. at that point, the idea is still the same. No, it only ever had to happen once. It didn't actually really matter where she landed or who she touched or how many times she rolled, it just had to look convincing. We managed to thread um, the lady it was in the astronaut suit through all of the projection paths of all the various projectors so that you never got the shadow on the screen. And it became the Instagramable moment of the event. You know, everyone loved it. And I think that's what we're about. Keep the essence of the idea, but try and deliver it at a price the client can afford. And, and you did, and, and I worked on that with you, and I remember it well, and it's on my Instagram as well, and I think it's on yours too, so if anybody wants to see it. But it worked fantastically, you're absolutely right. You took that budget, which I was holding, and you, you know, we made it, we made it, or you made it work within a budget that we could afford, and, and you brought it down to, you scaled it down to what we could do, and it was amazing. And that's what I always like about Hawthorne and you guys, you are, that's what you do for us really, really well. So before we come on to sort of virtual events, which I think we should discuss definitely, um, you know, you and I like all the big event production, um, live um, pieces. We like working in the big arenas. Um, at the beginning of 2020, if we can remember back that far, because it feels like forever ago now, you know, what were you really looking forward to trying out? You know, what was new for 2020 that you couldn't wait to get your hands on and have a go at? Oh, we, we were going to do some pretty cool things with, um, I don't know, I'm even allowed to say, but vortexes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And we've done some work with making it possible um so we never got to do that so that idea is stored up but i think the, the thing that's kind of advancing um because of covid somewhat is the whole xr studios that everyone's talking about and the kind of virtual studios and we've been doing a lot of the virtual studios and you know yeah. we're just um setting up an xr studio too but you know the kind of thing that you're seeing katie perry do and the black eyed peas and um, where they're appearing in these virtual worlds and content appears to be around them or surrounding them. I think you're going to see a kind of, uh, you know, emergence of that technology much faster than perhaps we would have if, um, you know, we hadn't dropped into this kind of COVID world. 
Definitely, because it still feels quite new, doesn't it, for us um, as, a, as an event manager, it still feels quite new. I know it's been in the sort of um, pop industry and the music industry for quite a while, like you talk about, but for us to try out in the events industry, that's quite exciting, isn't it? That's quite different and new. And like you say, social distancing will allow things like that to happen. It's not, you know, technically we can make that happen virtually. So that's, that's a great tool for people to think about. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it, it, it gives the opportunity to display data in a much more engaging way. And, yeah. you know, I think what we, you know, what we found, what we find is uh, that's what people need at the moment. You need engagement, you know. Yeah, and it's hard when you're watching behind a screen, isn't it, as well? So you've got to keep people sort of engaged when they're sat sort of behind a screen watching um, virtually. So that is definitely not, now I'm going to focus now on to, uh, coming on to virtual and we'll talk about hybrid events, I think. But starting up with virtual events, and so you guys are technical providers. So I'm assuming as soon as this hit, you know, were you, were you ready for this? Were you ready and could you seamlessly um, take your team to deliver virtual events? Were you all trained up and understood it? Um, were, you offer, were you able to offer off that solution straight away i think here's the backstory you know we've been doing hybrid events for years they're live events with a stream yeah it's just got this posh word of hybrid now so yeah. um <laughs> you know and we've been doing streaming events you know whether it's five thousand people for adobe um you know they're they're near summits or whether it's some um, small you know tracks um that we've been streaming out so yes you know we've got that expertise but I think what happened with the, um, you know, with the COVID, um, there were different levels, there's different, um, you know, there's different kind of uh, technologies that are required. And a lot of the technologies that we were using weren't very mature. They, you know, they were doing a thing, but yeah. now we needed them to do many more things. And the actual market of, of software that does some of the really key things, like, you know, being able to bring a remote caller in from their home uh, into a presentation, there actually aren't that many bits of software that do it. I could probably count them on my hand. Wow. Maybe less even. And so if you weren't using that product, you, you didn't really know about them, you know. And so I think we've all had to learn, you know, I, I, and I'm always about honesty, you know, that's my thing. And we had to learn new things and you know where before i've been in this industry 20 years and everything i do generally i've done before and i know what the pitfalls are yeah like everyone is now we're doing new stuff where you you're learning quite a lot as you're going along because it's all new it's new to everyone in this arena you know we've never had this in our lifetime yeah so i think if someone sits here and says we knew all about this it was all cool you know we just carried on that's not true you know we're all learning and, and everything's advancing, you know, I mean, the, the technology, we've got programmers sitting at home with so much time on their hands yeah. that, you know, stuff comes out every like week. They'll be like, you know, there's a, there's a new one, mm-hmm, has just come out, which is quite cool. Um, it's only in beta at the moment. And, yeah. you know, that looks like a really cool production tool for, for you know, for event people to make some really cool stuff that would take us a virtual studio to produce so you know that's the thing you can't even sit still every every week there's something new it's all rapidly changing isn't it and you talk about your virtual studio then so if you've got a well, i'm going to say a physical virtual studio have you got a location that you've turned into and transformed into a virtual studio then yeah you know it's part of our um wider family um as you know we're part of the psav um yeah. you know, across the, across the world 
Um, so in Germany and Munich and Switzerland, we have studios located throughout the world, um, EMEA, and we have one in Uxbridge, you know, which is uh, it's great. I was in there yesterday, actually, we're doing some, some, um, some recording for a, a stream to go out. And uh, yeah, we've got a full studio broadcast set up, LED, we can stream out there, we can have five presenters on stage, all socially distanced, and you know, that allows us to um, produce these live events uh, yeah, definitely. So if, um, if I've got events managers or events assistants or producers listening who haven't skilled, upskilled themselves up in virtual events yet and, you know, it's come to a time when their company are asking them, you know, come on, we've now got to, we've got to take this live event that was going to happen in September and we've got to transform it into a virtual event. What advice um, would you give to sort of events professionals who are looking to recreate, recreate their live events as something that they've got to take online? So maybe five, 5,000 people across the world, you know, what should they be thinking about which it's going to be a live event, it's now going to be an online event? Um, I think, you know, it's still the same principles. And I think this is where people are kind of going a bit wrong because everyone thinks it's magic. Yeah. It's not. It, it, you still need great content. Yeah. In fact, even more so probably because you're now looking at that content, you know, um, you need, um, how do you engage with people? And, and we, we have seen it kind of change because, you know, in the very first few weeks of COVID, you had kind of emergency comms, you know, like, right, everyone stay at home, very basic, just a stream, the CEO saying, you know, these are uncharted waters, everyone stay in their homes, keep safe. Yeah. We then moved to, ah, we've got an event next week. What do we do about that? Right. Well, let's pivot it to virtual. So we, you know, we then started um, bringing in people from their remote locations and, you know, doing remote PowerPoints and stuff like that. Yeah. And then it kind of changed again when it was like, oh, okay, this is okay, but it's pretty dull actually. Yeah. How are you going to make this interesting for people? Right. Okay. Right. Bang in some polls, bang in some Q and A. Okay, great. So we need a system that does polling and Q&A okay? and it streams, you know, reliably to 5,000 people. And then people were starting to think about, okay, this is great. But now I've got an expo where I used to have 20, you know, fee paying sponsors who actually make my event possible. How do I deal with that? And then we've seen it pivot again to, you know, these kind of expo fair bits of software where you get your you can walk around the virtual stands and get your documents and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's pivoting again, I think a bit more to now to hybrid. So, you know, a small yeah. audience, um, with a small set and, and the, the CEO and the panel and maybe a few people in the audience and the rest of people are going to be online. So yeah, I think you've got to start looking for someone that understands, you know, the, where we are in the market at the moment and, and has solutions for all of those things. And yeah. one of the um, key things I think that we do is we take our kind of broadcast background and bring that to a stream. So instead of it looking like, I call it um, Zoom roulette, you know, where yeah. you never quite know who's going to be in the slot next, you know, because you've got all these windows jumping around and it's like, oh, what's going on here? You know, brains exploding with boxes jumping up and down and, this and that, you know, using like our virtual studio software, we can create a very professional um, stream, you know, and we've been doing them for Dell, for product launches and, and Adobe, um, and, uh, you know, all these kind of TV production companies who have product they need to stream out for buyers. You can create a very convincing version of your brand online using this software. Yeah. But it, it, a lot of it as well is thinking about 
presentation, you know, we always do a pre-call with people a week before and we, we look at, okay, you know, do you have headphones? Do you have a microphone? Yeah. Um, where are you sitting? Where's the light at the time of the day? Do you have an open window next to you? Do you have a blind? Can you tidy up all the stuff behind you? You know, can you keep your kids, dogs, children, significant others off of the Xbox? You know, can you stay away from the fridge long enough? All these things you need to think of about presentation technique, you know, get you centered up in the frame, look at your headroom. So when you look at the, the broadcast we're producing, the actual output is very uniform. You know, the person's always sitting in the middle of the shot, always got a certain amount of headroom. You know, yeah. the scene is lit the best we can make it. And that goes a long way to making the broadcast look professional. So I think it's about the detail, you know, software and attention to detail. It's my kind I, of long answer. No, 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 I agree. I agree. So I did a, I've um, helped produce a couple of virtual events in the past few weeks, actually. And um, the, one of the biggest things that I learn is that you have to brief all of your presenters like we would in a live event. And you'd get them all in and you'd tell them where to stand on stage and the lights are going to come on you like this. And this is your intro. This is, this is your facilitator. Um, let's check the sound. Let's check the light. That is really key on a virtual event because there's so much that can go wrong and it's so much that you can't control. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the best thing you could do, uh, there are two things I think that are worth doing, is send them a cheap pair of headphones, yeah. you know, so that they, they can listen on a set of headphones, and send them a 50 meter ethernet cable to, to throw out the bedroom window, down outside the house, throw in the lounge window, and plug into the router. Because yeah. you know, everyone's holed up in the bedroom, it's the furthest room away from the router. Yeah. You know, the Wi-Fi is dodgy, um, you know, you're in a built-up area, there's lots of Wi-Fi. That £10 cable from Amazon is going to make your broadcast seamless because it's not, your Wi-Fi is not going to be jumping in and out. You're going to get the maximum out of your laptop, video and audio. Definitely. And those are the kind of things that you get when you, when you, you know, a week out, you phone up a client and, or a, a presenter and you find out about this situation. We do. We have a pre-call list, you know, tell us about your laptop. Do you have any headphones? Do you have a headset? Are you on wired? What's your download speed? What's your upload speed? Yeah. You know, and you know, as you know, preparation makes for a perfect performance, doesn't it? Even more so, definitely. And what do you think of like time scales in terms of um, virtual events? Um, because I, what I found is when I'm pulling it together if you think about the person that's at the other end like we are now we're sat in front of a computer our, our engagement span and our attention span is quite limited isn't it we are someone the postman's going to knock on the door your kid's going to come in or your dog's going to come in so have your clients been looking at keeping them shorter and sharper and really um, thinking about the content and how they're breaking it down through the day or their sessions i think you're right you know when you work from home like like we both are today you know i've yeah. got that gigantic fridge behind me and it's calling me you know yeah <laughs> every five every five seconds you're like oh, just a little snack maybe you know and that's the problem and, and i think what the people that are you know selling these platforms are kind of waking up to this that you can't always you know have people in the time frame you used to have them People yeah. aren't sitting there nine to five anymore. They're making their day work around childcare, you know, animals, whatever it is. And so some of the vendors we work with, you can actually um, rent, say, the Expo Fair software for a week. Yeah. So that means you can open your event. People can come in, they can browse around. If they want to do the, you know, the opening session and closing session on the day it's released, 
they'll come in and do it. But a lot of people are actually going, oh, I've got childcare issues today. Do you know what? I'm going to catch up on that on demand and I'll look at the stands and stuff tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I think leaving the event open for longer is better because you you know people are going to work it into their new world diaries that we're all operating under. That's and, brilliant. You know, it, it's a it's a it's a difficult one with engagement. You know, we've been doing a load of stuff with Adobe, and, and we did some stuff that is eight a.m. to three p.m. Yeah. But they do have breaks. You know, they'll have a a little thing will come up and say, "Hey, take a break. Go make a coffee. Have a get a sandwich. Come back in." 20 minutes we're, we're going to start again yeah and kind of reminding people that you need to step away that's it. making it making it on demand you know that's key as well and also you know you drive you drive your metrics don't you you know if you put yeah. it up on one of the video sharing platforms you know there are others of course you mentioned and um, <laughs> you know you can mine a, an amazing amount of data on actually what your people are doing. And, and I think actually what we're finding, and I think some of our clients are finding is more people are attending these things. Yes, because, I agree. You know, yeah. you haven't got to jump on a train, you haven't got to get on a sweaty tube and go yeah. to some, you know, venue here, there or everywhere. You can actually sit in the comfort of your home home where there is the fridge. Um, you know, and, and stuff and snacks, and you can watch this stuff at your leisure. So I think some of our clients are definitely feeling more people attend. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's the new trend, you know, make it available, put it on, on demand. demand. Yeah, yeah, great. Because like you say, then, you know, if, if you've got certain things in the day that you need to do, you, you don't all have to sit down at the same time at two o'clock and watch that same session. You know, you can watch it at eight o'clock at night and still, they're still, you're still feeding in that content, content to those people. So what a great tip. I love that. I've got a really big one, which um, a couple of my events profs um, that I've been working with recently have been asking me. And it is, I think I know the answer, but I think, you're, you're coming at it from a different side. You're from the technical side. So I'm going to ask you this. It's, it might sound like a silly question, but when you're planning your virtual events, should the technology come first and then you, you shoehorn the content to deliver and the creative into that technology based on budget or whatever, or you know, all those technical things, or should the content and creative come first and then we hand that brief to a technical provider and ask them to deliver it? I want, to, I want to say technically it comes first, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my honesty gene comes in. Yeah. <laughs> it's still about, you know, you've got to know what is it you're going to deliver and what are we trying to get out of this, which yeah. then drives your content. Um, and, you know, yeah. what we try and do is get the client to prioritise their things that are important to them. You know, yeah. is it Q&A? Is it live Q&A? Is it moderation? Is it... Um, being able to sell tickets? Is it breakout tracks? Is it, um, you know, virtual drinks mixers, things like yeah. that? What is it that's important to you? Because there are so many packages available um, and they don't all do everything. So you've almost got to make, you know, here's my budget, which is great. Yeah. You know, everyone loves to know what the budget is because yeah. then you can choose a product. And then you can say, here's my top five things in order of priority, you know, that I would love. And at that point, we can go, well, okay, if we're over your budget, we can get the four things in at this budget, or we could get the five things in over your budget. And, that, and that's how we've begun doing it. Because as, you know, as we said earlier, no one event is the same. You know? yeah. They're all customized. They're all different. There's more breakout tracks, less breakout tracks. It's live. It's recorded. 
you know, it's about a drink to make sure there's one-to-one -one meetings, all of these things that we did in real life, like I said, real life, you know, yeah. normal, <laughs> normal life, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, <laughs> you know, um, we having to try and replicate all these things. And, you know, there are, there are nice bits of software. There's a, a couple of really cool things. Um, Uncle Yo tried that we really yeah. like. Because what you what a lot of people are missing is you get to the end of that um, event, and you normally go to the to the networking, you know, the drinks mixer if you're American or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you, you have a drink, and, and you, you you go you go oh it's Frank over there, and you cross across the thing, you're right, you have a bit of chat, and you're like oh it's Paul over there, I haven't seen him for ages. How do you actually create that in the virtual world? And go try have thought about this, and you can have a background and. Uh, you take a snap of yourself on the way in and then you see all the pictures of people with their names and you can oh it's frank over there and you, you just click your way over to frank and as soon as you get into frank's proximity it pops up a video chat between you and then if someone else comes along it joins them in up to a limit of 30 and then if there's too many you can spawn another 30 and, and all of these little chats are happening and it kind of recreates that you know, networking drinks piece that, that, that everyone's missing. That's quite organic, doesn't it? You know, like you yeah. would you'd wander over and say hello to someone and then someone else might join in. So, sorry, was that Yo Tribe? Yo Tribe, yeah. So I think it's about yeah. finding, you know, the technical solutions that fix the problems clients have, which is yeah. what we do. It's what we've always done. You know, client would love to do this. Yeah. Um, how can we technically make it possible in this, this you know, post-COVID, during COVID world? Absolutely. And from an events manager's perspective for us, it, you know, we have to compromise a little bit because we, you know, like, like you said, we're gonna, we'll come to you and um, we're going to have to prioritise, aren't we? I, I can't imagine that there is one piece of software out there that can do absolutely everything, you know, off the full wish list of everything. So it is about prioritising um, and making those small compromises and making it work. There is that software, but you wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah, really it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, the, and, you know, I think another problem that we should probably out as well, that if you have a successful platform, what you find is now that successful platform vendor is not taking on any new business yeah. because they can't scale their company up fast enough yes. to, you know, um, to, to, to support these new clients. So, yeah. The platforms that we're using, um, we can actually um, create the content inside them ourselves. Yeah. So we're masters of our own destiny because we got into a situation like a, a lot of our te technical vendors where we needed to reach out for um, uh, you know the technical piece of software, but only to find you never get a reply. You know, it's like yeah. throwing emails into a void. You know, yeah. because they're too busy to respond. So you. You do need to find packages that you can be masters of yourself. That's my yeah. other top tip. <laughs> That's a really good point. And, and what about leading times then? Because, you know, as a, you know, I, I sort of can look at what I'm going to deliver, whether it's a conference or a large arena um, event or whatever it might be, the ship launch or whatever I'm working on. And I can sort of go from a live event perspective. Oh, that's going to take me 12 weeks or that's, you know, to do end to end, that's going to take me six months. Whereas with virtual, it is a little bit, we're in your hands in terms of technology to understand, you know, all the, the functionality around it and the programming and things. So what, if we're, if somebody's got a conference that they're trying to deliver online, what sort of leading time do you think that they need to realistically give themselves? 
Well, having just done a 5,000 person conference for, um, for SAGE, for V&E events, um, um, in just under four weeks, um, with wow. six breakout tracks, um, an opening and closing session, 21 stands in an expo, um, I would say that was just about enough time. Yeah. <laughs> I probably <laughs> yeah. wouldn't want to do another one. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? Well, not back to back anyway. Uh, let's yeah. put it like that. Um, so I think, you know, and it, it's that thing where we recorded 50 record sessions and, you know, every one of those record sessions has to have a half hour onboarding session for each presenter. Yeah. If you've got three presenters, you know, it's an hour and a half. Uh, plus the records that you're actually going to do. And you've got a sound recordist, a streaming person, um, you know, a switching operator, probably a, a show caller, um, an overall producer. So probably circa five people. And we had, I think we did it over a period of two weeks where we had two MCRs, master control rooms operating all day. Yeah. Um, to be able to record just that sheer amount of information. And then the edit, um, you know, we were using a new tool, um, Frame.io, which allows you to collaboratively um, mark up and, um, you know, edit videos. And I don't think without that, we, it would have been possible to yeah. produce all of that content. So I guess my watchword in summary is, you know, think of the time you, you think you need and probably double it. Um, yeah. Because yeah. there's no right or wrong. It's what is your mix? You know, is there lots of record? Is it content heavy? You know, I think just be prepared for the amount of time it takes. And, you know, I think one of the things I've found with virtual events, even the live ones that we do, and we're probably doing, you know, maybe three a week easily, live streams uh, where there could be, you know, five presenters, uh, hosts, four people on a Q&A and some play out. It's still immensely time consuming, you know, because you can't talk to everyone. You know, we're all on um, internet comm systems. So, yes, you know, I can communicate with it. I can have a producer's view and see all the inputs to the switcher and all that. There's nothing like sitting down with your team and just having a chat, you know, yes. or, or looking or looking at them in their whites of the eyes during a show and knowing you get to know your staff and you yeah. know when they're stressed. You know, I can look at someone and go, he's okay, she's okay, they're not okay. Yeah. And you can't do that in a virtual can't world. can't do it. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? So how are you looking after the well-being of your staff and on events? That's a question I've just pushed in there. That's an interesting one. How do well, you, we, you know, them all? <laughs> we've got, um, we've got mental first aiders, you know, we're, we're yeah. big into looking after our staff and we've experienced the lows of, of mental health um, in our teams. And, and yeah. is it that, you know, we, we've had a huge um, CSR piece on uh, bringing everyone up to speed on looking after each other and, and you know that's what we do we check in and, and in these times you know we as as managers and um, our teams have been phoning our staff and checking in with them you know are you all right this week how you doing how's it happening you know how's your family what's happening and they know yeah. they can call you anytime it's, it's all we can do isn't it that's it uh, yeah and i think every you know every business is going through it you know my team that i work with at pno they you know i've had to check in with them make sure that they're all okay you know and they're all working remotely in very different parts of the country actually probably like you guys so and it is just that checking in in different ways isn't it i think that's the most important thing i would like to come on we're going to wrap up soon but i just want to come on to some um live stuff because i'm really hoping it comes back you know we you know i think the next step like you've talked about is that you know we've, we've got that virtual world going on 
hybrid is going to be the next key thing. So I think in the autumn, coming up in the autumn, you know, we've, we've got more hybrids going on. Um, do, what do you what do you miss? What do you miss about that live um, scale, large production? What what can't you wait to come back? I think it's for me. It's the the thrill of the chase. You know, it's that getting something. Our industry is completely unique. You know, where do you ever get something that has to open at seven thirty? Let's take a concert. You know, it's yeah. doors at seven thirty. You load in at six a.m. that morning with yeah. maybe 45, 50 Arctics and someone is going to stand on stage at 7.30 and say, hello, Wembley. That's the thing. That's and it. Yeah. People out of our industry don't understand that thrill of the chase. You know, no matter what happens to you, it could be not your fault. You know, there could be a catering truck stuck in the way, a winch could break, a truss could not be there. You have to work around it. It's adapt and survive because the doors open at 7.30. Yeah. And that's what you have to learn. Can't get stressed, just got to think about, okay, I see the problem, what's my solution? I know where I am now, how am I going to get to where I want to be with doors open? You know, and it's doing, staying calm and focused whilst keeping your client informed of what is happening and how you're solving it. Yeah. Um, so that's, I love that thriller chase. And I think my other thing, in fact, I'm allowed to, maybe this is a. You can have two. <laughs> have two, two things on my island. Um, my second one would be, I think my, my favourite thing is once all of that thrill of the chase has happened and the doors are open, I love standing by the door where the guests are coming in and I gauge our success on how many people stop, pull out a phone, open the phone app and take a picture of that, you know, Instagramable moment, as we always say. And if that happens and people are, you know, stopping their tracks, then you know you've got it right. Yeah. Simple. Absolutely. So we did this actually, and you did this for us for Seven Worlds, One Planet. And we were trying to get people to sit, to sit down as they were coming or at least get to their area and their tables to get their drinks and get into their areas. But everybody as they were walking in was literally just stopping, looking up, taking pictures of all the live plants and the big central sort of seven, seven um, screen stage that you've got going on there. And it was, oh, it was amazing. So yes, it's, it's an event manager nightmare what you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> It is, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think for me, um, you know, there's the planning bit's great. I absolutely love the planning bit. Um, and then to get on site is like something you cannot be, isn't it? You know, all the, every, all the different teams that you've been working with, say on conference calls and all different um, stakeholders and all your suppliers all coming together just on site is the best feeling that you cannot you cannot recreate as a virtual event, can you? <laughs> you know, that, that working together as a team and making it happen. You can't. I mean, it's, it's that, you know, I think it's like, you know, we as humans thrive on human contact, you know, yeah. and, and maybe that will change. Maybe, you know, our, my, ch my child is, is 17 and he consumes um, media in a very different way to me. He doesn't watch television. He makes his own TV channel out of wow. you know, various online streaming platforms. And, you know, and maybe he doesn't crave face to face. Yeah. Um, meetings you know and I think it will change over time and maybe my generation are the last people who just have to have it because we buy from people you know we yeah. build relationships with people face to face we build trust and that leads to us buying from those people because we feel comfortable with them and, and people buy from people so, this is yeah. it 100 percent, and you always go back to those people that you enjoy working with don't you you know that's the first thing that i do and i know it's the you same do you, you can people. you can be a little bit more expensive yeah and, and deliver a great job but yeah. if you're 
you know, people like you and people get on with you and people work well with you, then it's going to be a success. It is. So before I'm going to ask, let, let you tell people where they can find you and, and follow you and things, um, just, just in terms of 2021 then and your big clients, because you've got some huge clients and agencies that you're working with, is the diary looking good in terms of tentative live event production coming back? Is there a want and a need and requirement for it? Yeah, I think, you yeah. know, building on what we just said, you know, yeah. people buy from people and yeah. organisations that rely on selling directly to people have to run events to have a company, you know, to sell products. And, you know, certainly in our larger corporates that we work with, there's a pent up ambition to run events as soon as we can. We just yeah. need our respective governments to say, you know, from this date, we can have 30,000 people in a room and we can run an event. And I know that's terribly hard. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm not listening what our government are doing. It's incredibly hard because one minute you can open something like a bowling ball and the next minute you can't, you know, and I get that, that it's very tricky, but it's making our industry very nervous yeah. um, because we, we, you know, we like certainty. We like a date in the diary that we're working towards. And, you know, our big clients, yes, are holding dates, you know, from, yeah. I would say, from March onwards. Um, you know, there's a there's an ambition to run large-scale events in 2021, and, yeah. and, and they will. Um, but but it, only if the government says it's possible. And, and I think my final point, really, is I think all of our events are going to be hybrid going forward for probably, you know, a couple of years. Because, yes. you know, if... Say I was going to go to, I don't know, let's use a big show, CES in Vegas. So my boss said, okay, Pete, uh, I want you to go to CES. I'd go, I'm pretty devil's advocate here. I'd go, okay, boss, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not really comfortable getting on a plane for 14 hours um, and then going to a convention center with you know 50,000 people for five days and then flying back for 14 hours. Uh, but I'm happy to watch the streams. Yeah. And I think... Just because we build an event doesn't mean they'll come. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we've got to overcome as events industry. How do we build confidence that our events are safe so that we can run these large scale events and deliver that, you know, the engagement and joy that face to face events bring? You yeah. Know, that we all miss, you know, look how many people are going to sit in a car park in the middle of nowhere with a, with a you know, a, rubbishy burger and some sweet sugary water um watching a tiny screen you know from your car on some headphones it, yeah it shows you that people are desperate to get out and do stuff yeah. so you know i think it's just finding that balance isn't it it's finding the balance, but also what you what you say in there is, you know, if you plan a hybrid event because you, you've got half your audience that are too concerned and worried to do the travel or whatever, if for whatever reasons our governments turn around and say, you know, no live events can go on from tomorrow. Sorry, we've got to lock it all down again. You've already set that hybrid event up so that can still be delivered to everybody in a virtual solution. Um, so, the, you know, people are still investing their money and clients are still investing their money into their events and it can still happen. Unfortunately, that live event element will go, but that's, you've still got that virtual event that can still go ahead, which I think is going to be key going forward. The flexibility, should I say. <laughs> Hopefully it yeah, won't happen. Yeah, and, you know, and you've made all the content for the live show anyway yeah. so you know yeah. it's kind of yeah i think you're covering both bases and i think there'll be a lot of that going on i, I can't see 
a move to just saying, well, we're going to run a live event and let's focus on that. I think you've got to consider the hybrid um, you know, back end. So thank you, Pete. I've really enjoyed this. Um, I love watching you on social media, actually. I love following your um, Instagram because you, um, when you're allowed, you do share some um, great um, sort of stories and pictures and things around some of the bits that you're working on. So um, where can people find you and find out more about you and Hawthorne? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm a bit of a, a social poster, as, as you know, as you say. We tend to run the little It's a Secret, hashtag It's a Secret campaign on the bigger events that we do and we try and keep it a bit of a secret, make it interesting before we show you actually after the show's live, if we're allowed, what we've been up to. Um, but you can always find me, um, I'm on uh, Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn um, and it's at production underscore pony, don't ask a strange handle I know. Uh, but, uh, and of course uh, Hawthorne is at Hawthorne Biz on Instagram or Hawthorne um, is on, on the web and uh, you know we try to be social hit me up if you're interested in uh, the wild and wacky world of dream realization exactly you, it's always good to spend half an hour chatting to you because you've always got such great ideas you, you do bring us down to life a little bit sometimes <laughs> with some of the silly I, ideas we have but you've, you always come back with some sort of solution and, and make it work so always an interesting chat Pete thank you so much I've really enjoyed this no worries it's been really great thanks for having me on board thank you so I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to go back and listen right from the beginning of this episode all over again with a pen and paper at the ready. Pete's knowledge and expertise in this technical production is second to none and I just want to make sure we all absorb it all and take it into the future of our hybrid virtual events and of course those live event production moments when we get them back again in the future. A big thanks to Pete for everything today, I really enjoyed that. Feel free to reach out to him on his socials. I'm sure he'll be willing to answer any questions you may have. And likewise, please do get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me on my socials at Kelly Frew or at Storymaker Events. I love to hear from you all. And don't forget to rate my podcast on iTunes or Spotify or however else you might find me. Enjoy your day and I will hopefully speak to you again very, very soon. Take care.